everyone, I'm Hannah Lloyd. And I'm Charlotte Gilfillan. Welcome to our podcast, Women in Wellies. Each episode, we will be inviting a guest to share their stories, experiences and lessons of working and living in rural Scotland. We want to get to know the real women behind the wellies and share them with you, our listeners. So hello and welcome to episode two of Women in Wellies. Today we are joined by Tracy Roan from Borland of Colvend Farm. Tracy, great to have you on. How are you doing this morning? I'm all right, thank you. It's good, good, raring to go, Sunday. So Tracy, why don't you start us off by telling our listeners more about who you are and what you do? Okay, right, uh, where does start? Um, I think when you asked me a kind of bit of background, I think I probably opened it up saying I was like Wonder Woman because I think people actually wonder what I actually do and I, I kind of question myself on a daily basis that as well um kind of what I do because um yeah I kind of meet myself coming back sometimes I feel I'm slightly slightly overstretch myself but yeah basically um uh, where do I where do I start um oh right I part-time I wear an NFU hat I'm the regional manager with NFU Scotland for Dumbies and Galloway uh, I started that role June last year so I do that three days a week and the other four days a week I am on the family farm um, helping run the business with my husband and my two kids here at Borland of Colvain just outside Dalbeti where we have a pedigree herd of dairy cows about 200 we're milking um, so we have a grass-based system so they graze uh, during the summer so I'm kind of quite involved in the farm and kind of getting more involved in the farm side of things um, kind of the paperwork and stuff so as well as being hands-on I'm I'm in the office a wee bit more now as well and uh, yes I've got two kids Andrew who's 13 going on 18 who just wants to farm and Lucy who is 11 and wants to live in the town and get her nails done uh, so they're very very different <laughs> so that, that's basically me and in, in the summer um, we have a milkshake bar that goes out all the shows that I run with my sister-in-law uh, so we do that in the summer as well so yeah and if I've got a little bit of spare time I sometimes lift some weights and that's it so tell us a little bit more about the dairy side of things because you know you're a sixth generation dairy is your background in agriculture yeah I was brought up on a dairy farm uh, outside Kelso um, I'm actually a Borders lass at heart uh, Borders born and bred so I was brought up on a dairy farm and my mum said to me whatever you do don't marry a dairy farmer you know um and what did I go and do I went away to college and I met a dairy farmer from the west and that was it um, and I think he got it the wrong way around because I think you're, you're not meant to like get a farm in the east and a wife from the west but he got it the wrong way around um so yeah I'm dairy farming background um and I can't say I really actually enjoyed it when I was younger because it was quite a hard way of life like we didn't get holidays you know it's it's 24 7 Darien so I can't say I actually made it my ambition to go out and stay in Darien um, it wasn't something that was ever on my radar um, to do but yeah just life events and that's what happened and I ended up being back into Darien which is quite nice in a way because all my dad's side of the family were Darien but I'm now the only one left milking cows um just the way things have turned out um so it's it's quite nice in a way that you know i am there i'm still milking cows but there's probably a reason why everybody else is out of dairy and but yeah so i didn't set out to do it it just kind of happened 
And Rowan's Dairy, I mean, that started properly in, was it 2015? Yeah, 2015, 26th September 2015. Um, and I just always remember that date because that was like our first kind of launch at our local farmer's market just down the road here. Um, and it just took off and that date has just always stayed in my head. And um, yeah, so gosh, that's a few years now. And um, yeah, I think that's where life just pace picked up. It just picked up that pace. And I don't think we've probably ever kind of stopped since. Um, so yeah, it was good. It was more, Rowan's Dairy was really like my brother-in-law's kind of um, ambition. And me and my sister-in-law just kind of came along for the ride a wee bit, but then helped push it along. He always wanted to process milk direct, you know, cut out the middleman, just while was receiving a poor price. And um, he had the idea, but like, I think me and he like kind of had the, um, oh, maybe the kind of not not ambition or drive, but we just kind of kind of saw it like from a consumer's point of view. Like we were the ones that go to the supermarket, we could see the kind of packaging and marketing and stuff and what to do. And I'd been on the rural leadership course just at the time it was getting launched, so I'd kind of gotten a wee bit of confidence about yeah, we can make this work, we can make this business happen, and you just make contacts. And I kind of knew how I learned how to work with the press and the media. So that launch on the 26th September, you know, I had the local news along, I had the newspapers, we took a cow down and it just kind of went poof and that was it. And it just, each market we went to, we just kept going to more and more and then other ideas happened and then it just progressed onto doorsteps and then the other bar came and then you're like, oh, oh, that's been quite a few years now. And it, yeah, it's just, and then we obviously we had COVID that really pushed it along. So yeah, it's 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 not easy. And if it was easy, I think everybody would sell direct. Um, there's a lot of management. Um, there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but it's ticking along and it's doing a job. So yeah, it's it's all right. Really shows the power of good marketing as well, and like having the press along and kind of being bold enough to put it out there straight away, rather than like quietly launching something, you know, in secret almost and seeing what happens. That power of kind of market and a really good story yeah totally if you're going to go go big um if you're going to do it do it right um and you're right what you say Hannah about a, a story that was something us as our industry are quite bad at not telling our story about what we do um and we have all this history behind us of being sixth generation and to share that so I kind of found myself in the position just running the social media for a while and really trying to like not really know, like, I, I learned a lot, <laughs> went a long, long way, but, you know, what to post and when to post and this whole new world of marketing and social media opened up. Because, um, you know, before, like, I was just in my wellies, feeding calves, trying to tweet and do a post, but you really got to think about it and do it right. But it was like, God, people are actually interested in what we're doing here in our sector. And it was like, oh, gosh, people are actually quite interested in automatic scrapers. Like, oh, really? Do you know, these things we take, for granted that we do every day and see every day you're like oh people and so it was like opening up our world to other people and it was like you know really quite fascinating like if you look into your figures and who's following you you're like god there's like people away like far away abroad america and all that watching us you're like oh god this is quite nice um so yeah it was it'd be quite a whirlwind and quite an, a learning experience and I think we'll never pub I'll never be fully up to speed on social media and how it works. I will never learn it all. There's always something new. 
um, and it's like trying to keep up on that treadmill. On the subject of Scottish rural leaders, because Hannah and I are both going through the programme at the moment, you mentioned that, you know, obviously being on that. Was that in 2015 when you were looking to launch? Yes, I think it was, was I 2014-15 and I was at a real crossroads at that point because funnily, I was actually a housing officer for years, like with a social landlord. That's where like, so like I was like evicting people and like dealing with like um, antisocial behaviour and neighbour disputes over wheelie bins. Like I, that was my day job when I left the farm every day. And I got to the point when my two kids were quite young that my salary was actually just covering my childcare. And I was like, and I was still helping out the farm. I still did milkings at weekends. And I think we were three times a day milking at that point. I still did milkings. But I was saying to Stephen, I was like, I really don't know if I can be a housing officer anymore. Like I was seeing the best and worst in life, you know. And, you know, I was going out to do like, speak to people who had like, you know, probably like getting more money and benefits than what I was earning. And I had a bigger telly than me and a nicer car in the drive, you know, and I was thinking, what am I doing? I started to get a bit delusional and I was like, I don't think I can do this. My childcare barrel was astronomical. And I was like, maybe this is the time to come back to the farm and, uh, you know, do this. And, uh, and I was on Rural Leaders at the time and I was kind of like at a crossroads thinking, can I make a role for myself at the farm? but still have my independence. And this is when Stuart was doing this project. And I thought, you know what? This is something that really excites me. Let's have a go. I was a bit nervous about working with family because we're all different and you bring in people together, like not through choice, but through marriage. And it can, you know, it's it's difficult. And I was like, can I do it? And I thought, you know what? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I quit my job. You know, I quit my flight, my pension, my flexing, my lunch hour. I quit it came back to the farm, you know, with a sports bra and a bit of Alcothene pipe. And, you know, that, that was it. Um, and yeah, that, that was it. And I, I don't, I didn't regret it at the time, but as time went on, you know, working on the farm and staff leave and all this, it kind of grinds you down. And I got, the kids got older and I just thought, do you know what? I, I want back to having a career, like not saying farming's a career. It, it is, it's a great career. But when you're working on a family farm, there's different dynamics. And I thought, do you know what? I need to kind of, I want my own little independence. I want to be me. I don't want to be Tracy Rowan from the farm, Tracy Rowan from Rowan's Dairy. I, I like to have my independence. So that's why I then got a job back off the farm, which, yeah, is a juggle. But I admire people that can work with family seven days a week, 24-7. I think it's a great art to have and a great skill. But no, I just can't do it. It sounds like now you've got much more balance, though. You've got that balance between your career with NFU and then your, you know, all the things that you're doing with the dairy. Yeah, it's great when all the cogs are in place, when all the cogs are turning at the right time. It's great, but when one of those cogs falls off, it just all hell breaks loose. And I still, I think I may be sitting like like in my like email that I'm never content, and I sometimes think people think I've got a chip on my shoulder, which I probably have, but like. Being like married into farming and having kids, you, you you're restricted to what you can do and where you can go sometimes, and it's quite hard because I can only commit to part time. I would love to probably do more, but you're restricted to part time, and I always feel like, you know, if you've got kids and a farm and other commitments, you'll never be able to kind of excel further if you can only give part time. And I sometimes think there's a bit of a barrier there, and it's like trying to get that balance right of like trying to succeed 
but not being able to give more, if you know what I mean. Maybe I'm not explaining that, but it's, it's really hard to get that balance right. Um, of well, actually, you know what it is? It's trying to meet other people's expectations. I think that's the, the biggest thing. It's trying to meet people's expectations of what they want from you. And I didn't, it's hard to get, I think when I turned 40 was a kind of turning point when I thought, you know what? Just please yourself. <laughs> Just do what you want to do. Life's too short. So yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a huge juggling act. If somebody has the magic solution, let me know or the answer, because I would love to know. If people think I've got it right, that's fine. If I give that image off, I'm happy with that. As long as you think you've got it right, that's the main thing. As long as you're enjoying what you're doing. God, yeah, I, I totally enjoy it. But sometimes you're just like, well, yeah, just give me a break. You know, and everybody will be the same when you run your own business. There's always some day off or there's always something happened or like, Especially with dairy farming, you know, like we've got like, oh, there's you know, 200 cows milking. That's like 200 problems. That's like 200 women in your life. And they're high maintenance women. You know, they're, they're high maintenance. <laughs> so there's always a problem. So you're just like, really? Do you know? So yeah, sometimes you can just think, one of these days I think I'm going to like combust into flames and all will be left will be like the wire off my bra. <laughs> what's left. <laughs> And, uh, and just to throw something else into the mix then in all the other things that you're doing, you've got into weightlifting and that's become quite a big part of your life and led you to enter your first Scotland's Strongest Women initiative in November last year. I know. Where, where, I have no idea where that came from. Like, turn, like I said, turning 40 was quite a time for me. I just thought, you know, you turned 40 and I was like, I can't be fat and unfit at 40. I just, I just, you know, I just thought I have to just be, and I just thought, you know, I need to do something. And I thought the only way I'm going to get fit is if like I go to a personal trainer who's going to like whip my ass and tell me what to do. And um, the ham to be guy in Dalbiti, um, so it wasn't, wasn't far away from me, so I could manage to like squeeze an hour in. And I went along and he like, he does the wee test with you and talks about what you want. And I was like, I want to lose like a bit of weight. I need to get rid of my baby belly. My like, my youngest is like a living and it's never gone. I need to sort myself out. And he's like, get on the scales. And I was like, oh my God. Um, do you know what I thought? So he starts this wee program and uh, he's saying, oh, people, women over 40 should kind of start to like, you know, lift weights. It helps tone up. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So I'd never, I didn't even know what deadlifting was. I had no idea. I'd never set foot in a gym. Like I was like totally out of my comfort zone. I never really wore leggings because that's like tight and clingy. Do you know, I just wasn't, I mean, the nearest thing I got to was wearing a sports bra. So I go along to the gym and he like does these wee things and he's like, oh, do you want to try a bit of weightlifting? I was like, yeah, whatever. So like, you know, he gets the bar and the weights out and he was like, oh, this is like, you know, 40 kilograms and I was like god that's two buckets of cake you know that that's how I worked it out in my head and he's like oh can you lift that I was like yeah sure you know no problem he's like all right he's like do you want to put a bit more weight and I was like yeah put a bit more weight so like I, I didn't realize I had that strength until he was like showing me he's like oh you're quite strong and I was like yeah so the deadlifting was something I really enjoyed and like you got a real buzz from it because like you know he was like, oh, you can lift that. I was like, yeah, check me out, conquer the world now. And um, I kind of like got, you know, like when you start searching stuff on your social media, you know, I started seeing these women who were deadlifting. I was like, oh my God, check her out. And I got quite an unhealthy obsession with it. You know, I thought, oh God, I'm going to be like turning, you know, because I kept, you know, 
they they follow your is it algorithms I can't pronounce it like so I, these kept popping up and I was like oh my god check her out and then um, I didn't realize how kind of like popular weightlifting was for women so I just got more and more into it and then I saw this competition advertised at a gym and I looked at the weight categories and what they were lifting I was like oh I can totally do that and I thought you know what let's just do it for a laugh so I kind of like got the my PT kind of made a program up to like build up to it and like oh I totally doubted myself loads um, and I thought, oh, do you know what? Just do it, Tracy, because like you know, it doesn't matter if you make a tit of yourself, because you'll never see these people again. Because it was a way, it was a way up in um, Glasgow, I think. And I took my sister-in-law with me, and my personal trainer came, and you know, we, I got there, and I was like, oh my god, these like these girls must work out four or five times a week. I am only going like once a week to the gym, and these girls are like necking monster like totally like taking their protein shakes or whatever and here's me like with my like coffee and a pineapple do you know like <laughs> totally out of my comfort zone and I'm thinking right well we just get back in the car and head back down the road um you know like some of these girls are proper and like they're just like little machines and some of the one of the events I'd never actually done before and do you know what I thought do you know what just go for it Tracy so like I had no idea like I would come third, but I mean my score wasn't that great. But you know what? I got a medal, and I was like, ah, oh, bring it on. So yeah, I've I've got totally sucked into this world of women weightlifting, and um, yeah, I I'm keen to. There's another competition, and I'm quite keen to go for it. Uh, it's a big jump in weights, but you know what? I think it's nice just to have something that's off the farm, completely different. You can zone out. And um, yeah, it's a really, you get, it's the endorphins after it. You just have a real buzz. And like, I just think sometimes you can really think, bring on the world, you know, challenge me. And then you get home and you think, oh God, but <laughs> it's all good. So yeah, that's my, that's my weightlifting story. I watched the video on your Instagram of you doing 10 reps of 135. I mean, that was seriously impressive. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I, I don't know where I had never, I, I had never done like that many reps before but see that I have never known a kind of sector where women were supporting women they are so cheering you on like women you've never met before are going give it one more make it double figures and I remember the guy who kind of is like watching you to like tell you to raise up and down he was like make it double figures come on and I thought I I will make it double figures for you pal do you know like you are just it's the whole, you get sucked into this atmosphere and like the girls are like, they're so supportive. As much as I was like out of my comfort zone, I have never known such a support network. You know, people who you've never met, you're competing against, but are supporting you and like encouraging you. And like, they're, I mean, like they're shouting at you to lift this Atlas stones. Like they're like, get that store up, come on, you can do it, bring it home. And you're like, oh my God, I better do it then. I'm going to get, you know, like, I, it was just amazing. Um, I uh, yeah, I was just buzzing, absolutely buzzing. So yeah, I think there's quite a lot of misconception about gym culture and weightlifting culture, and um, that it's quite elitist, and there's no room for you know normal people to come into it if you like. But it's just totally not the case. It's it's a really supportive environment. It's a really nice environment, and and you know to be part of something, and you're all working towards similar goals. Oh. Totally, yeah. I've I've had my eyes opened, um, and it's yeah, totally inspired me. And 
and like I feel physically better now you know there were some jobs in the farm I was like oh god I can't do this but now I can like I'm, I'm feeling fitter for it so yeah I, I wish I wish I'd done it earlier I feel like in my 40s I probably started too late um I wish I'd been encouraged younger to go to the gym um and be in that environment uh and now I take like my daughter Lucy sometimes comes with me to the gym and kind of just plays about and you know and I, and I want her to feel comfortable in her body you know you don't you know because some of these women are all different shapes and sizes there's nobody like this stick thin they're all different and be comfortable in your body there's not a perfect body you know and I I, I just think I just wish I'd done it sooner um but yeah you you it's just life isn't it yeah, I think there's a there's too much focus now on what bodies look like rather than what they can do. And actually, they can do some pretty amazing things, as you've demonstrated. Yeah, such an encouraging thing to hear, like a sector that's like women supporting women, where maybe you maybe even though it is competition, I think that's that's really encouraging and, and ties us in nicely to moving on to our next question. So, um, Tracy, you've already touched on various things that inspire you to do what you do. Um, what else inspires you, I guess? <laughs> Do you know, I, I think it's just, you know, Hannah, it's people. It's people that really inspire me. Um, probably because I'm quite nosy. I always remember, like, when I was a housing officer and, like, I used to love going in people's houses um, and, like, doing home visits and meeting people. And people had some fascinating stories because I was always really curious as to, like, how people ended up where they were. You know, like, how do you end up doing this? So yeah, it's it's people, they fascinate me. Um, I just love hearing people's stories and how they've ended up where they are and, you know, just how life events can change things. And yeah, I, I'm very much a people person. I think people inspire me and I kind of, yeah, I love hearing stories because that just kind of sometimes thinks, well, that was really good. How did you do that? And that can just encourage you to think of something different and hearing other people's views I always think that's quite interesting when you hear sometimes you'll go into a house and you'll totally unsubconsciously judge it and then you realize that person's not the person you thought you know and it's yeah I just find that really quite interesting and that's what I enjoy with the other bar where we're out and about meeting people you know we're at different shows across Scotland and you're just people come up and chat and yeah that's that's pretty cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some days when I can't do people, and you're peopled out, and you just want to go and hide and hide in the calf shed. But I will have days like that. So yeah, definitely people, and yeah, I think also following social media is a huge thing now. And like I, I'm quite addicted um, to Pinterest. I quite like sitting on Pinterest and looking for ideas. Get quite a lot of house envy, right enough, um, when it comes to kitchens. That that's a good source of inspiration for me, um, from everything. So, yeah. Yeah, I have to limit my time on uh, Pinterest so I don't get too carried away. Although I still seem to be getting pretty carried away with uh, with house ideas for for absolute sure. And I guess. Tracy, just linking into your other bar, you've you've said a couple of things that you know suggest that you're quite creative, and I guess the other bar, all your flavors and different different milkshakes give you a chance to express some of that creativity. Yeah, um, I'm I always kind of joke with me and Ailet that Ailet's the probably the business minded of it, kind of the fa- the facts and figures, whereas I'm more the art and design. Um, 
I like the creative side, the actual interior design in it, the colour, what draws my eye. And we kind of joke that it's our personality in a box. Um, so, yeah, I quite like the creative side because I always think if I was at a show and I saw like a, a trailer like that, I'd be totally drawn into it. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably very creative, but I think that probably comes from uh, I really liked I didn't excel at school when it came to like the maths and English and all that. But I really quite excelled in art and design because there was no wrong answer with art. You know, there was never a wrong answer. You could be you could do what you wanted. And that was it. So actually, when I left high school, I thought I was going to be like a budding artist. And I went to Carlisle to Cumbria College of Art and Design. Um, but then I didn't like being away from home, ironically. So like I came back after a while. Uh, so I've always been quite kind of arty-farty and like being creative. Uh, so I always did that. So that totally came into play with the other bar. And for anyone who's who's not seen the other bar, it's a, it's a navy blue horse box which has been decked out with bright pink cow spots on it um, it looks really funky and if you haven't seen it definitely check them out because uh, it's for sure eye-catching particularly particularly at shows um, and I totally love that it's been an expression of your your creativity Tracy I think that's um, it's a really cool way to express it for sure. Tracy you've had so many different experiences and you know you've got such a phenomenal story to tell um I think 2022 was probably a bit of a roller coaster year for you. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. Oh, it was a hard year for us all. I mean, losing our father on a tragic accident on the farm just rocked our world. It just turned it upside down. These are stories you read about other people. You don't ever, ever think it's going to happen to you. And um, we will never, ever forget that day. And I don't think we will probably ever get over losing Derek, you know, who's a papa, a father and a father-in-law. And we are just basically, you know, having to learn to have a life without him and function without him. And yeah, there's days we're okay and there's bad days. Um, we're just getting through the first. We've had, you know, our first anniversaries, first Christmases. It's just getting over that and it'll take time. And as much as it was hard and it was horrific, the, sometimes these life experiences just give you a different outlook on life and you just realise life's too short and not to sweat the small stuff. You know, don't worry about the little things you can't control. Let them go. And just, you know, I think it's maybe realised, like with my own family, you know, I've got two kids and a husband, that's who matters. You know, that's what matters. Yes, the farm might not, there could be problems on the farm, but you've got your family and they're who you need. So, yeah, it's really, it really shook us as a family. Um, and, yeah, we'll get there. And unfortunately, we'll, we'll not be the first or the last. These accidents happen. Um, and there's just you just can't prepare in life for it. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a big learning, big year, big tough year. Um, and yeah, and having changing jobs at the same time and trying to carry on. Yeah, it's been difficult. Um, but uh, you you don't think you always describe yourself a bit like a tea bag. You don't know how strong you are until you put you in hot water. And that's kind of just how you realise sometimes you are actually stronger than what you realise. So, yeah, it's not been the easiest, but this is a new year, a new start for us. And hopefully we can uh, 
just keep on farming and uh, just stick together. So your work then with um, NFUS, you want to tell us a little bit more about what you're doing? Yeah, um, I wasn't planning on a change back in June. Um, as Hannah maybe, so I worked with Hannah with Scottish Lands and Estates um, as the regional um, kind of officer there. And, uh, you know, I always think opportunities come along and you've got to explore it. And this opportunity came along to join NFUS. And I thought, you know what, if you don't try, you'll never know. And I wasn't really expecting to get the job and then I did and I thought oh now I've got to make a decision um so yeah I, I basically jumped to NFUS um and it's similar role but um I'm part-time still so I'm the regional manager looking after the members in DNG so it's quite a diverse membership but totally relatable because I'm in the region I'm a farmer myself so I deal with all the member queries you go to stakeholder event meetings and um, you represent the union at meetings and um, dealing with kind of policy stuff so it's it's really varied um it's a juggle sometimes there's some member queries i'm like i have no idea what you're on about but i'll go away and find out because i know somebody who does so it's it's quite it's it's, it's really interesting no two days are the same but that's like farming um it's not, I say it's part-time, but what job is part-time? Because farming's not part-time and I kind of like, I'm guilty of having my phone on all the time. But that's that's the nature of it. Um, so no, I really enjoy it. Um, and I quite like it because I'm based in the region. I kind of know what's going on. Um, so you can kind of like be quite in touch with what's happening with your members. Uh, so yeah, it's good. And yeah, to, I, I, it's weird because... Before with NFUS, I was a member, well, I still am a member, but I was on the committee, you know, and I was on like other things. So like I saw it from a member's point of view and now I'm in the union. I see it from an employee's point of view, so I can see it from both sides. And I'm like, it's quite good in a way because I can like explain to a member, well, this is why this, this and this happens because this policy is this policy. And I kind of get it better because like I know what language to use because I was a farmer myself having to like, hear that so like it's quite it's quite good in a way so yeah I, I'd, I'd enjoy it but yeah it's it's oh, it's good it's good just working with farmers just like working at home <laughs> and a highlight of the year being the uh, nfus agm yeah that's coming up the 9th and 10th of february um so yeah because we've not had one since 2019 um which is quite a memorable one for me. I don't know if I should t- did I tell you this story or should I tell you the story what happened at 2019 NFU? Oh, you definitely should tell it's us, called, definitely. You might know, but um, 2019 NFU, I was there as a member and me and my pal and my sister-in-law went up for the day to stay over um, with all intentions of going to the conference to like hear what was going on. Um, but we missed lunch so we thought we'll just nip across the road to the Weatherspoons um, and get lunch there and then we'll go back in for the afternoon session. It never happened to go back. We basically stayed in Weatherspoons and just, oh, I don't know what happened, but we remember looking at the clock and I think it was like half five, six o'clock and we're like, oh God, the reception starts at six. We better get go get changed. I can't quite remember getting back across the road, although 
one of my other colleagues now at the union tells me I spoke to him. I don't remember the conversation, never mind, but I now work with him, which is quite embarrassing. And um, yeah, so we went to the reception. It was all a bit of a riot. I managed to get through the meal. It was a lovely meal. Um, got to the round where there was a cupcake and the cupcake just finished me off. I thought, I can't drink anymore. I'm quite tired. I wonder if I could like nip away for a granny nap. Because, you know, sometimes you just need that half hour just to like get yourself back. I thought I'd done really well by exiting the room with no one seeing me. I thought, oh, result. So I get back up to my hotel room and I thought, oh, God, I might just like lie down for a wee bit. So I like shut my eyes. How do we how do we sleep? But I wasn't quite sleeping. And like, I think I could like I had the telly on and then I heard like my phone was vibrating quite a lot. And I think I just had it on silent vibrate. So it was fine. And I thought, oh, God, what's that? And then like the, the hotel room phone started to ring. And I was like, oh, my God, is there a fire or something? So I kind of like woke up and I thought there was like like. The hotel phones go in and I look at my like phone and I've got all these missed calls and I think I finally answer to my sister-in-law going, where are you? You've won an award and they won't let me collect it. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean I've won an award? She's like, she's like, get back down to the room. Where are you? So I was like, oh my God. So like, thankfully I hadn't got undressed. So I was still like dressed and I thought, oh, I better try and sort my hair. And I like walk back down thinking, oh my God, like total walk of shame. And I like, walk into the room and there's this round of applause because I appear. And Teresa, who was the regional manager at the time goes, where have you been? I've been looking for you. I was in the toilets and everything. And of course, the first thing that I can think that comes out of my mouth goes, I just said, oh, I've been at Weatherspoons across the road because the drink's cheaper. so everybody everybody thought i was in weatherspoons i wasn't i was away for a granny nap but like nobody told me i was up for this like ambassador award i had no idea if they'd actually just said to me tracy just stay in the room but like i had no idea so like i have to like walk up on stage and andrew mccormick there who's the, the president at the time you know i'd been waiting on me and i was like he goes oh, here's your award and here's what i was going to tell you about you I was like, oh god! So yeah, I've never, I'm never gonna live that down. That's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Did you, I take it you managed to accept your award, all right then? Yes, I did. Yeah, I had the I had the nice. I had a cup, and because of COVID, I had the cup sitting on my sideboard for like two years, which was nice. <laughs> Have they taken it back now then? Yes, I handed it back. I says, please take responsibility of this. Um, so, yeah. It's okay. It was all um, good um, experience, a learning experience. Um, so yeah, I told you know, and like now this year at this conference, I'm going to have to be my best behaviour, so I'm not drinking. So because I have to make sure my 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 board members are up in the morning to vote, so I am not drinking. So it's going to be a different conference for me this year. Uh, one of your one of your other experiences was actually doing the filming for this farming life. How was that for you? Um, can't say I've ever watched myself again on telly. Um, yeah, it was good. It was. God, it feels a really long time ago now. A really long time because they must be on like series five or six now, and we were series two. Um, it was nothing. It never was something that crossed my mind. It was actually uh, my sister-in-law that kind of like put us forward for it, and a. Uh, we didn't think we were any different to anyone else, but I think the BBC kind of took to us because we were a family 
um, two family farms kind of working together and diversifying. And um, so, yeah, it was quite it, it was quite um, surreal because, you know, you had a camera crew following you around doing your day to day jobs and you're like trying to explain what you were doing. And I always say it was like trying to explain to your pal from the city what you were doing. And you're like, all right, OK. Um, no, it was good. It was good. And it was nice, you know, that we were starting out Rowan's Dairy and that was kind of getting documented. And I think when the kids are older, we'll make them cringe and make them watch it back when they were really young. Um, so, yeah, it was it was good that way. It's nice to have that kind of memories because, yeah, it'd be nice for them to watch that. But I think for me personally was the lack of um, say over editing you know when the bbc film you it's theirs to keep and they choose how they edit it so like when we saw it was the first time you know the first time we saw it was the first like when you saw it, the telly was the first time we saw it so i didn't know it was coming out we had no idea so to not have that control because you kind of forgot six months ago what you said um and i didn't like that because you know, especially in our industry with dairy and you're quite susceptible to negativity. So like, I kind of thought, what if they like don't edit it right? Because some things, you know, they knew what would make a story. That's the BBC knew what would make a story and get viewing figures. So the more controversial, the better it was for them. So there was like some scenes which I felt were, oh, you know, there was a dead calf in one scene, um, you know, and yeah, we have to talk about that's this, that's this farm in life. But like they wanted to focus on the fact that like my son was there and like how did he cope with it? And my son's like, well, where there's livestock, there's dead stock, quite practical about it. So like there was some stuff I thought, like, really, do you have to go on that? Um so that was slightly uncomfortable if you're wanting to have like control. But then you thought, just be yourself. Um so apart from that, it was fine, it was nice. And certainly like I say, I think when the kids have their like twenty firsts and their thirtieths, we'll dig out some footage. I make them cringe. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Love it. I think we've already touched on um, quite a lot of challenges um, and uh, I'm sure sure we've all faced lots of challenges, but um, Tracy, any specific challenges that you have faced that you've overcome and, and, and any big goals for challenges up ahead? Oh, challenges. I need to learn to say no. Do you know that? I need to learn to say no. And not feel and not feel guilty for it either. That's the thing, like and just being more precious with your time and not feel guilty. And it's funny, I just had this conversation with another female farmer friend the other day about, you know, making time out to leave the farm and they're still working and you're going off to the gym. And she's like, Oh, I feel really bad for doing it. And I was like, yeah, but we shouldn't. Why do you feel bad for a bit of self-care time, a bit of time for you? Like, you shouldn't feel bad, but we just put that pressure on you and you feel guilty. And I just think, oh, God, that's so wrong. What's wrong with wanting a bit of time to yourself? It's not reflection on anyone else. It's just, you know, don't feel guilty. And I I need to overcome that because when you're a mum, you're trying to put your kids first and you've got a business, you want to put the farm first and your husband and... Sometimes it's quite hard. So I think that's the challenge of like not beating yourself up too much. Don't be so hard on yourself. Take that time out. Um, yeah. And yeah, that that's that's what I need to learn. I need to learn to say no. And I think I found that even more after 
just been on this farm in life you know you'd get quite a lot of the requests to like speak at things mm-hmm. and you're like oh this will be good for the business good you know opening pr exposure and then you sometimes have to just think no just say no it's okay to say no do you know because you sometimes think if i say no i might never get asked again mm-hmm. but if it's not the right time for you don't do it do you know don't put yourself under that unnecessary pressure so <laughs> something i think lots of us can relate to because there's never enough never enough time and um and it's so easy to just say to say yes to stuff but um i am very much with you in the not being able to say no um camp but learning trying to learn that and setting my own boundaries um which is which is a learning curve let's say that (laughs) it's a learning curve for sure and do you have any um upcoming challenges with your weightlifting tracy just to say, like Hannah, it's like learning to say no and not and not having to justify yourself as well. I always felt I had to say no because A, B, X, and Y. Just think, just say no. So yeah, um, yeah, weightlifting challenge. Yeah. Oh gosh, right. This is where I get into my figures. I used to be really bad at counting, but I'm getting better now because I have to add up all my different weights when they're on the bar. So yeah, my next challenge is I want to deadlift 180. Um, I can do 160 at the moment, but I need to get to 180. So that's that's my goal. Um, I'm a wee bit away from it, but I'm I'm increasing my training. I'm I kind of go a wee bit extras uh, now to kind of build up my training. Although I think my husband thinks I'm going to like end up losing my neck, and I'm just going to be all shoulders and like you know built like a brick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny visual for us all. Thanks, Tracy. Um, what a goal, though. You have to keep us up to date with how you get on with um, with achieving that. I um, I look forward to following it on um, on social media. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll keep Instagram updated. Um, I quite like Instagram for that. It's all very much wellies and weights with me at the moment. What's the one piece of advice you would give to the next generation of rural women in Scotland? Oh, does it have to be one bit? Oh, one piece. It could be more if you like. I always say to my kids, you know, you'll not be everybody's cup of tea. Because, you know, if you were, you'd be a mug. So just always remember that. Don't try and please everybody. Right? It's not going to happen. You'll not be everybody's favourite. Right? You can't be everybody's. And don't waste your time trying to be. My other one is keep your goals big and away from small minds. And that's just, you know, don't, if you've got big ideas, go with it. And if you fail, it doesn't matter because you tried. Okay. People that all say, oh, that's not going to work. doesn't matter. You went and tried. That's the main thing. So, yeah, that'd be, that's probably my two, two bits of advice. And just live the dream. Just live it. Life's too short. Yeah, I totally love that. Keep your goals big and away from away from small minds. Um, what a great piece of a great piece of advice. So, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us uh, today and sharing your stories, uh, experiences, and lessons. No, thank you. Thank you both for asking me. It's a privilege. Um, I really enjoyed it. You're so welcome. We've loved having you on. Um, and if you want to connect with, with Tracy on social media, you'll find all her details in the show notes. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Instagram at Women and Wellies Podcast to stay up to date with all the latest news. And you can email us with any questions on womeninwelliespodcast at gmail.com and we'd love it if you leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time.